The Penguins dominated the Flyers on Monday night. And on today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to recap that game, plus take a look at the current playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Sending for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time down the Game Time app. Create an account and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So the Penguins get a massive victory over the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday night, a dominant 4-1 to win to finally beat this team after dropping the first two games of the season series. They dropped the first one in overtime, or shootout, excuse me. Second one was in overtime, both thanks to Sean Couturier. But this one, Pat, what a dominant performance by the Penguins, showing why they've been playing their best hockey of the year to this point. They're 9-3-1 and and in their last 13 games. They got things going very quickly in this game, thanks to the power play, of all things. That was some crisp movement by the top unit. Really nice pass by Evgeny Malkin to Ricard Raquel, who gets another goal. He's been red hot as of late. Then you also get a goal from Eric Carlson. Chad Ruedel, of all people, gets his first goal of the season. And then Evgeny Malkin ends things off with the fourth goal to honestly, it could have been a lot worse than that considering how Carter Hart played. He was very good in how the Penguins played. Could have been like a 7-1, 8-1 game overall. But this game, just total domination, I'll say it once again, by the Penguins. You can look at natural stat trick, money puck. Those don't do this one justice. The Penguins very much deserve to win this game. And the best thing about this win, the two points came in regulation. You're only two points back of the Flyers with the game in hand, and you're tied for the final playoff spot right now with a few other teams. Just a huge win in a game against a Metro team where you're not really going to be seeing too many Metro games coming up. That's why these points right now are so important when you play a Metro team. That was one of the most dominant performances we've seen from the Penguins so far this season. But I'll also add this. Last night was one of the more fun hockey games I think I've watched in quite some time because there was just about everything you would want in a hockey game last night. It was an up-tempo game. There was a lot of there were a lot, there were a lot of chances both sides here. Like let's not like the Penguins were the better team and were definitely dominant overall, but the Flyers this this showed why the Flyers are who they are. They're a not so talented rebuilding team that's surprised a little bit so far this season. They got 37 shots on goal last night. You don't get 37 shots on goal without having a little bit of a good game. Right. And as for Carter Hart, under 900 save percentage last night, but that's an under 900 save percentage that was a night uh, a hard night's work. He was At very good. He stoned quite a few yeah. high danger penguins chances that if they had gone in, like I said, this would have been a 7-1-8-1 game. That's how good the Penguins played. Yeah, and this was also another example of kind of baiting a torts team into the two things they don't want to be baited into. 
They had to play an up-tempo trade chances kind of game. They're not built for that. Nope. And then they tried to suck the Penguins into all the BS, all the goonery, all the after the whistle stuff. And in the third period, by that point, the game had been decided, so it didn't quite matter. But for the most part throughout the game, the Penguins just kind of skated away, laughed at the Flyers, let them do their rat imitations and all that. And the Penguins were like, okay, like Gino said in the box, take a look at the scoreboard. We don't care. And then he... Lash out a few cuss words at the yes, Flyers in the press box. I can't there. Say on this show. That's the difference, though, between a Mike Sullivan coach team and a Dan Bilesman coach team. I, when I saw what the Flyers were trying to do last night, and this is a tale as old as time. This goes back to when I was a teenager, I feel like back when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. The Flyers have been trying to do this to the Penguins for over a decade. They try to suck them into taking penalties. They try to get them to retaliate. And then they try to get on the power play and try to get back into the game. That's what the Flyers do when they are down. And it used to work when the Penguins are coached by Dan Bilesma because they just never knew how to control their emotions. But ever since Mike Sullivan walked through that door, he changed the that completely. And you never see his team retaliate in those circumstances. Even when Scott Lawton was out there being dumb last night, Nick Delorier, Garnett Hathaway, whoever it was, I'll throw Travis Konechny in there as well. Penguins are like, you know what? Okay, look at the scoreboard. We're just going to go out and get this win because the two points actually matter here. Not trying to retaliate and just go into goonery like you guys are doing. It's just, that's the difference I feel like between a Mike Sullivan coach team against the Flyers and a Dan Bilesma coach team against the Flyers or even Mike Johnson. I made that realization last night again, and it's nice to see the Penguins just be calm and composed against this team. And, and to your point, the Scott Lawton thing where he hit Sid in the neutral zone, the the you Flyers, know what he's doing with that. You but, know exactly what he's doing. Yeah, I agree. But the Flyers broadcast even acknowledged it. They said, you know, ten ish years ago, Crosby would have got up, retaliated, or barked at the refs. Instead, he just got up, skated to the bench, didn't care. And because the NHL Network had the Flyers broadcast, and if I can't add, that's a funny broadcast, man. They like. I hate handing the Flyers anything, but I texted it to you uh, after when the Penguins got their second power play. Uh, whoever the the Flyers play by play guy is, Penguins were snapping it around, getting a bunch of chances, and he just offhandedly goes, "Yeah, Flyers might want to stay out of the box the rest of this one." <laughs> Penguins power play started out red hot in that game. They honestly could have had a goal and all their other chances in the first period. Obviously, they got the goal on their first power play opportunity, and that's goals now in four straight games for the Penguins power play. That is very good. I will give them their flowers for that. Outside of that, they did go one for five in that first period, and I had the thought in the back of my head, you're only up 2-1 heading into the second period. Are these missed chances going to come back to bite them in the second or third periods? Thankfully, it didn't, but I did have the thought in my head. And speaking of broadcast just want to shout out michelle crackiolo becoming the first woman broadcaster to ever call a pittsburgh penguins yes. game last night tremendous job by michelle i actually tuned into the radio broadcast i was watching the, the game at the bar just because i don't have nhl network at my home and th- they didn't really have the audio playing in the bar so i tuned into the radio when i could and i thought michelle did a tremendous job i thought her analysis was spot on this was a much deserved opportunity for her considering how long she has been with the organization. Heck, I remember when she was doing Penn's Inside Scoop with Sam Kassan back when I was a teenager in middle school. So just want to shout out Michelle for that opportunity. Congratulations. And I thought she did a really good job, Pat. 
Well, yeah, by all accounts, I, I didn't listen, admittedly. I was watching the game, uh, but by all accounts, everybody who tuned in, everybody who listened, all the people in town who uh, pay attention and cover this team who tuned in said she did a great job, which is completely not a surprise because she is the consummate professional. She's great at what she does. Absolutely. And a lot of people don't know this former college hockey player. So yep. she knows what she's talking about. Absolutely. You know, again, congratulations to her. I thought she did a great job and, you know, hopefully she'll get many more chances down the line to do this again. Outside of that for this game, Evgeny Malkin was on absolute fire. Usually it's Sidney Crosby tormenting the Flyers and he had a little bit of a quiet night in this one, but that's when Gino steps up and reminds everyone, oh yeah, I can still torment your fan base as well. And I loved what he said in the penalty box, just being an old man, pointing to the scoreboard, lashing out a couple cuss words that I'm not going to repeat on the show. The goal that he scored was awesome. And also what a pass by Drew O'Connor. He continues to play lights out as well. But this was a, I'll say a vintage Gino game in this one with how he was playing. Just a great performance from 71. There were a lot of really good signs out of this win. It looks like Gino's getting his legs back or has his legs back. That only helps this team's cause. Drew O'Connor is, is on one right now. He is playing the best hockey of his career. And the biggest thing for me with him is the confidence he's playing with. He's making plays that he needs to make if he's going to play in a top six or middle six role. So you have to be happy with that. And we're going to talk about it to wrap up the show, but at this point, I'm happy with both goaltenders. I know that a bunch of people are going to try to turn this into a big discussion, but I'm very happy with the goaltending in the depth. Again, I mean, Chad Ruedel scores, and you think that's something, you know, you know, Jansen Harkins had an assist, even though he had a rough game. Ricard Raquel's starting to come back on, and I keep bringing him up. We have to give Jeff Carter his flowers because he has played his uh, his forecheck leads to a goal and the, he has played really well in a fourth line role. He's doing exactly what we wanted him to do at the start of the year in this role. So if we are going to rightfully criticize him when he struggles, what we said he needs to do this year in that role, he is doing it. Now we have to acknowledge it. The deployment for him, I will say has been better. I don't think they're putting him out there in as much high leverage situations as they were last year, especially late in third periods when it feel, felt like every time the Penguins had a one-goal lead, for example, the Carter line was going out there when that should not have been the case at all. This year, you're not seeing Mike Sullivan do it as often you're giving him easier matchups, and he's feasting on them, which is good. I'll and I also, think that was that. Just, I also think that was just a force of the construction of the roster last year, like it, yeah, it was going to be either Carter or the fourth line who was just god awful. So you weren't winning either way, and everyone would want to say, "Oh, th why don't you throw out Crosby or Malkin's line?" Well, by that point in the game, they'd already played 28, 29 minutes. Like they were gassed. There was nothing else right. they could do. I, I agree with you on that. I, I feel like the depth has really been starting to step up these last couple of weeks. I like the third line right now, though. If I do want one player to step up a little bit more, it's Riley Smith. He has two goals and. Yeah. his last 30 games at this point. And it's not for a lack of chances. He's getting quite a few chances every game. His underlings are really solid. The puck is just not going in the back of the net. I don't think he's just been bad. He's just kind of been a bit unlucky, but you do want to see him get on the score sheet a bit more often considering, you know, he was Jason Zucker's replacement. He was demoted to the third line. Eller has been good this year, but 
I think still in a fourth line role, he's probably a little bit better. If you can get another center to play with Smith on the third line, it would be a bit better, but I'm not really going to be complaining too much considering how good Lars Eller has been this year, but I still want Riley to contribute a little bit more and hopefully just break this sad streak because the puck is just not going in the net for him right now. I'm definitely disappointed in him uh, just because of the lack of production. I will say, though, as of late, he's starting to come on and get chances again. Yes. There was a couple of weeks span there where he was just completely invisible, where wasn't getting chances, wasn't really doing anything positively or negatively. But when you're acquired to play in that role, you have to play that role. And then finally, the other thing, I, this might be the start of the Ryan Graves redemption tour. He has started to look a lot better in a sheltered role. and. It's what our pal Yohe said in his recap this morning. Maybe that's just what he needs. We've talked about it on the show before, too. Sometimes you just have to get put in a lesser role to get right, to get your confidence back, to get your game back, and then you start getting increased responsibility. You start getting put back into the role you're supposed to be put in, and that is just sometimes the life cycle of an NHL player. Baby steps. That's how I put it with, with this one. And, and yes, it sucks that he's making them. It sucks that he's making the money he's making. Right. They have to put him in this role. But you can't, when you have a, a contract like that, you can't just dump it out. Nobody's going to take it. And this is how you have to make it work again. Well, his value's at an all-time low right now. You're not going to be dumping him. And if you exactly. were, you would probably get nothing in return. So I, I don't think that's a possibility, at least right now, and won't be a possibility for a long time. If he does continue to play well, you know, I'll, I'll at least eat a little bit of crow because I said it, he should be benched last week. But I will say, since he was demoted, he has been playing a bit better. It's baby steps. Let's hope it continues. But that'll wrap up this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to look at the playoff race in the NHL right now. And for the Eastern Conference specifically, it is pretty wild to say the least. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can also make a parlay in the Parlay Hub and so much more. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. So the Penguins are in a dogfight right now in the playoff race in the Eastern Conference. If you look at the standings right now, the Devils occupy the second wildcard spot with 44 points, but the Capitals also have 44 points. The Penguins also have 44 points. And oh yeah, the Red Wings are back from the dead after a really bad couple of weeks. They've really turned it on this last week. And they also have 44 points. And oh yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning have 43 points. This is a crazy race right now. We also have to mention the Flyers are in the top wildcard spot with 46 points. The Islanders at 46 points, their third place in the Metropolitan Division, even though their actual record is below 500. But I'm not going to say anything else about that. But this is a race, man. It's crazy how tight it is in the conference right now. And that's why these wins over Metro teams in regulation are so important, especially with how the Penguins over these next couple of months, they don't play many Metro teams. They have Carolina this upcoming weekend. After that, the rest of the month in January, 
I can pull up the schedule for you right now. They don't have any other games this month against Metro teams. You go to February, right? They only play the Islanders and the Flyers that month for Metro games. And those are going to be obviously very important. These next two months, they only have three more Metro games before the schedule gets crazy in March and April. You got to bank these points when those games come up. And that's what they did in this Flyers game. You got to bank points overall, even no matter who the opponent is. But especially in this division when it's so tight, gotta be, you just you got to keep chugging along. Yeah, the the biggest thing here is that they're in an advantageous situation at this point as they get into the as they as we start coming up on the stretch run of the season because I think after last night and just over the last couple of weeks we're starting to see that the Flyers are turning back into a pumpkin. They they had their hot, unexpected start, and now they're finally starting to regress to the mean. They've lost they're seven become, of nine also. Right, seven of nine. They're starting to look like the team everybody expected them to be, maybe just a little bit better. And then you also look at it, the one of the teams they're chasing in New Jersey, they are hurt to high hell. They have injuries left and right. Dougie Hamilton, Thomas Nosek, Timo Meyer, Andre Pilat, Jack Hughes, Segan Thaler just got announced as put on er or ir er wow <laughs> but yeah like you look at the that hospital. And, i didn't know that <laughs> yeah he's on he's on the he's on the uh classic 1990s 2000s nbc drama er but um like you look at that and you mix it with the fact that it looks like the penguins are starting to figure it out they're starting to become more of the team everyone expected them to be there is a chance for them to really start banking more points and going on a run when the teams that got off to hot starts in Washington, in Philly, in the Islanders, they're all starting to start. They're starting to drop a little bit. They're starting to cool off. They're not as good as they were at the start of the season. And you have the Penguins trending upward. So at this point, they're all of two points out of the third place in the Metro with the Islanders who have 46. And while it's a little pie in the sky, they're five out of second chasing Carolina. So all they really have to do here is continue to win because it looks like if the trends continue, the flyers are going to keep losing. The devils are going to keep losing. The caps are probably going to keep losing. And then it's you and the red wings kind of pacing one another in the wild card race. And then if it gets to that point, you don't have to worry about the red wings anymore because you're going to go into the Metro race. The opportunity is there for them to make a run for a playoff spot. They just have to seize the moment and, they're nine and three and one in their last 13 games. And the reason why I bring that up, when Kyle Dubas last spoke to the media, he said he would use those 20 games to really see what he was going to do for the rest of the season. Since then, they've won nine of 13. They have points in 10 of 13. They have seven more games before the All-Star break. If they're able to go, say, five and two, four, two and one, I think that's going to be enough for Dubas to say, you know what? I've seen enough from this team in the 20 games since I really – I guess, called them out in my media press conference. I'm going to buy at the trade deadline and give them another big piece for the stretch run to see if they can make play out the playoffs. Because right now, you're not selling. That's for sure. When you look at the standings, this team is not going to sell at the deadline. I, the only th- way I think I see this team selling at the trade deadline is if they're like five or 10 points out of the play- of a playoff spot, which could happen. You know, it's a possibility. I don't think it's likely, but it still could happen. But if you are in the race like this, or say you're even in a playoff spot by that time, this team is going to buy at the deadline, and rightfully so, because you don't have that many years left with this core. 
as you said for the standings, I agree with you. I think Philadelphia is starting to fall out a little bit. I am not a believer in the Washington Capitals. They have a minus 23 goal differential this year. It is insane to me that that team is in a playoff spot right now or is in the playoff race, I should say. Excuse me. They are also very banged up. Tom Wilson's a bit injured right now. TJ Oshie is hurt. Uh, Charlie Lindgren has been banged up this season. Sandine is hurt. The wheels could start falling off for that team a little bit as well. I'm also not a big believer in the Islanders, but they're always in the race and they'll probably be in the race for the rest of the season. But these next couple weeks are a big stretch for this team because while you don't have that many Metro games, you have Carolina, obviously, which is a massive game. You want to get the two points there. You still play some really good teams in the NHL in January. You play Vancouver this Thursday. We'll preview that a little later on this week. You have the Vegas trip later on this month. You have Florida. Arizona is a much better team this year. Seattle has been turning it on a little bit as of late. These are going to be some tough games for the Penguins, but with how they've played lately, you should be able to win at least some of these games to show that you are a playoff team this year and that you need to stay in the race. And I know that I'm a big time Kyle Dubas guy. I know that everybody knows that I'm still very much on board and think he's one of the best available. And it's insane that the Penguins got him. But I think that press conference where he said he's waiting until the all-star break to truly assess this team. I don't think that was so much as a deadline as it was a challenge is that was him telling this team, you guys want to figure it out. Here's where you're going to figure it out by. And if you guys decide to turn it on and start looking like a competitive team, then I'll give you some help. But if you don't, maybe some guys like Jake Gensel and Brian Rust and a couple others might be out the door because I do think that Fenway Sports Group has told him in no uncertain terms, this is your team, but here are your only constraints. You can't fire Mike Sullivan just yet because of the contract. And anybody not named Crosby, Malkin, Latang, you can do whatever you want with given the circumstance. But your job right now is to get a Stanley Cup or close to a Stanley Cup for the big three and Mike Sullivan. And if you can't do it in a year or two, then all bets are off. Go do whatever you want. But anybody not named Crosby, Malkin, Latang, you can do whatever you want with. And this team has responded in kind. He kind of called them out and said, I'm not going to pull the shoot yet, but here's where they have to prove to me that they're a playoff team or they're a possible contender. And they've responded extremely well. Absolutely. And if they continue to play like this, again, you will have to owe it to the core to give them at least one more run at this thing to try to get into the playoffs and potentially go on another deep run to get them their fourth Stanley Cup of this era, at least. And and finally, they deserve it because outside of the Rangers in Boston, the East is kind of weak this year. Does it mean they can make a run to the Stanley Cup final? Who knows? But it's a pretty wide open East and we've seen they can hang with Boston and they can hang with the Rangers. We saw against the Rangers when they came to Pittsburgh earlier this year, if it it was when the power play was in the middle of its historic funk, if they get a power play goal or two, they beat the Rangers. So they can hang in this East. If nothing else. I agree. I don't really think the East is that good this year. I mean, you said it, the Rangers are very good, but I think they're beatable in a seven game series. The Bruins are very good, but they're also beatable in a seven game series. The Panthers, they're underrated. They're going to be a really tough out, but I still think they're beatable. Outside of that, you know, Carolina's woken up at least a little bit. The last couple of weeks, they're playing like the team that I thought they would heading into the year. But, you know, after that, the Devils have not been that good. Obviously, the Penguins, the Caps, the Islanders, the Leafs, they're all in as usual. But I don't think there's a 
unbeatable team in this conference to say the least you know anything can Agreed. happen in a seven game series but that will do it for the second segment coming up to end the show is there a goalie controversy between Tristan Jari and Alex Adelkovich or is it just good that the Penguins have a good 1A 1B situation Pat and I are gonna dive into that but before we get to that discussion we gotta tell you all about game time you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, juice from receipt, and their best price guarantee, GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from receipt before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. You can also buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. All you have to do is download the GameTime app, Crane account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, crane account and redeem code locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co host, Patrick Dam. So, I was not surprised at all when Alex Nelkovich was announced as the starter for this game against the Philadelphia Flyers. The Penguins have been doing this thing for the last few weeks now where it feels like it's Jari for one or two, then they go back into Delkovich one or two, and then it's just you know, back and forth, back and forth. And that, to me, shows that they have trust in both of these guys. It is a true 1A, 1B situation. I know people are going to be out there and saying, oh, is Nelkovich the starter? Should he be the one and should Jari be the two? I disagree with that a little bit. When you have two good goalies, you can play both of them each week. It doesn't have to be, oh, one guy gets four to five starts in a row and then the other guy plays once every two or three weeks or something like that. You can play each goalie each week and get quality starts. And you've been seeing that from both goalies. I know Nadelkovich was a bit rough last week in Boston, but he very much responded in this one against the Flyers, 36 saves on 37 shots. He has been tremendous throughout the year, has you know total trust and confidence in the locker room, has been one of the best backups in quotation marks, if you even want to call him that, <laughs> that this team has had in quite some time. It's been a lot of fun seeing this position be one of a strength for the Penguins this year. In the end, I know Tristan has had a little bit of warts show up his last couple of starts, but he was also very good against the Sabres in that game. Outside of that, Alex Tuckle, he gave the Penguins a shot in this one. The Penguins have two good goalies, and they are right to use both of them every week. It's You can't make it a controversy just yet, because what would make it a controversy is if one or the other started to stumble, and neither really has. You know, like it's if Tristan really stunk after this new year was below 900 in a lot of his starts, for example, and Adelkovich continued to play like this, then I would say, okay, maybe give him a solid run here for starts over the next couple of weeks and then maybe make Jari the backup. But we haven't seen that just yet, and I don't think we're going to, but that's where I think, no. again, like you can rotate them. Yeah, and what you have here is two goalies that can pick the other each other up, whereas – it looked like Jari was starting to stumble ever so slightly yeah. earlier, the, a couple or about a week or so ago. But then you had Nadelkovich in there who came in and steadied. And again, Jari was good against Buffalo. So you, you have two guys who their save their, their goals against are it's 
for Nadelkovic, it's 2.6 for Tristan Jari. It's 9.12 for uh, Tristan Jari. It's 9.22 for Alex Nadelkovic. So these guys are pacing one another. And it, it the way I see this, along with two guys that can pick the other up, it's two guys who appear to be challenging one another. And they're having healthy internal competition of, okay, you're going to go out and play really well against this team. All right, I'm going to go out the next night and I'm going to play really well too. And here's the thing they have to avoid though. They can't fall into the same trap that the Bruins did last year going into the playoffs. Now, there were a myriad of reasons why the Bruins blew it against the Panthers, but one of them was that they did not pick a goalie. And yes, they had two very good goalies who played very well throughout the stretch run and throughout the whole season, but we have seen how this works now in the NHL. You can have 1A and 1B in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, you have to have 1 and 2. And right now, I don't know who it is. We will see who it is as the year continues, but eventually they're going to have to tap one of the one of the two of them and say, "You are the starting goalie and we're getting ready for the playoffs, so get your mind right." Because it gives them the ability to focus in and understand, "Okay, I am the guy they're putting the saddle on. You don't have to sit there questioning, oh no, am I going to go in? Am I playing tonight? Am I playing tomorrow night? What am I playing? Am I going to back this guy up? Am I starting? You have to get them in that mentality of it's my net and we're going for the Stanley Cup. And this is a strict guess on my part. Just wanted to say that right out of the bat. I think right now, despite Ned's strong play this season, I think Jari would start game one in the playoffs if the Penguins were in it and they started tomorrow, for example. You just gave him all that money over the offseason. He's been mostly very good this season. I think he would be the number one guy right now. That can change as the season goes on. You know, we're almost at the halfway point. You have to see how both goalies do in the second half of the season. But right now, I think Mike Sullivan would give the net to Jari and also just have the mindset of, you know, you were so bad during that 2021 series against the Islanders. You only played that one game on a broken foot against the Rangers just a couple of years ago. Here's your shot at redemption, especially with how you have played for most of the season. I think right now he would have the net if the playoffs are today, but I don't know how long his leash would be to say the least. I think if he were to have a bad game, he could potentially come out a little quicker than maybe it would have been in years past where DeSmith was a backup. And that's me being captain obvious because Nadelkovich is a much better backup yeah. than DeSmith, but that's just my opinion on the situation. I would agree with you, and I do think it, it sounds silly to say because of everything that's transpired since, but he still does deserve a chance to exercise those demons in the playoffs from the Islanders series because when you weigh how he's played since then in the regular season, he has earned that opportunity. Yes, yes. he's been inconsistent at times. He's had some stretches where he hasn't been the best goalie, but he has also had more consistently good performances since in the regular season. He just hasn't had that playoff opportunity yet. And should we get to that point, he he deserves and has earned the right at the very least to play one or two games in the postseason and prove, okay, I can do this when it matters the most. I agree, and that's, I think, the main reason why I was so upset that he got hurt just a couple of years ago, because it looked like he was going to have the chance to exercise those demons against the Rangers. I thought he had the best regular season of his career up to that fantastic. point, and then 
in March just had his foot ran into by Anders Lee, and that's what happened. You know, the season it his season basically ended at that point. But we'll have to see if he gets that chance later on this year. But Penguins fans, just be grateful that you have two goalies that are playing at a very high level right now, to say the least. But that will do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this episode. We'll be back with another show for you all tomorrow, probably with a guest, so stay tuned on that one. And then we'll preview Thursday's game against the Vancouver Canucks on Thursday. We'll probably have that episode out for you all during the late morning, early afternoon hours. And then we'll recap that game for you all on Friday, get you all set for the Hurricanes in Raleigh for the Friday episode. I'm excited for that Canucks game, man. The Canucks are such a good team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Their star players have been absolute animals this season that is a bona fide Stanley Cup contender in my opinion sometimes sometimes you just have the magic and it looks like the Nucks have the magic they may not have some of the underlying numbers but when you have star players playing at this level and you got the goaltending you got a coach that believes in your guys they're going to be a tough out when they play in the playoffs this year but again that's for later on this week we'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday hope you all have a great rest of your Tuesday